coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. And the problem with social media is she doesn't even have that lifestyle. Right. It's fake. It's not even real. Like, like meaning she may not have the money for it. Their marriage may be falling apart. Like, I want her life. And if you saw the whole 360 picture, like a lot of people putting the best foot forward, no, you actually would not want to trade places. This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. I'm so glad you are with us. I'm the greatest mental health and marriage and emotional health and parenting podcast that's ever existed. YouTube show. However you're finding us, we're glad you are here. On today's show, we have a very special guest. My friend, New York Times bestselling author, number one bestselling author all over the place. YouTube sensation. I don't know all the nice things I could say about her. Kind of, kind of my boss, actually. She's an owner of the company where I work. The incomparable Miss Rachel Cruz. And Miss Rachel Cruz, um, her and her husband are great friends of me and my wife. We hang out. We do live events all over the country together. We have conversations behind closed doors about things like um, parenting, what our, what our kids are experiencing, being a mom, being a dad, being a husband, being a wife. Um, and we talk about comparison. We compare theological things. It, things just get heavy. And so on this show, we kind of go all over the place and talk about some hard, heavy things, some hard um, discussions about comparison, about um, being a mom, about mom guilt, all of it. We have lots to discuss. We go all over the place. And I'm glad that you get to hear this conversation. So buckle up, put your headphones in, turn up a little bit louder. You may want to slow it down a little bit because I talk way too fast. So they say in the in the internet comments, please enjoy my conversation with one of my great friends, Miss Rachel Cruz. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're like super in demand. You're real famous, and you joined me on my really. little Fame's show. Not really, fame's not real. That's not real. It's for sure real. Mm-mm. Yes, I've traveled with you all over the country. It's for sure real. Mm-mm. Yeah, man. People behind you, are like, oh my gosh, is that Rachel Cruz? And everyone's like, John Deloney. Yeah, they don't do that. <laughs> They're like, hey, is that Rachel? All right, so a couple things I want to talk about today. Probably have some conversations that you, that you haven't had on other shows. That was kind of my goal. Perfect. But more importantly, I like it when a podcast kind of drops in on a conversation between two friends that sounds like we just showed up while they were having coffee. And you yes. and I have done that all over the country. And so yep. um, here's where I want to start. So you and I did this marriage event. And you and I have done it multiple times. And this time people came. It was like a weekend retreat. Yeah. And there was a bunch of people there from all over the country, all different walks of life, engaged, about to get divorced, to we've been married 34 years, we're millionaires, and we just want to see what's next for us. Totally. I think to a person, everybody walked away from that thing, us included, like something magical happened there. Mm -hmm. And so that's rare in our world, right? Yeah, we We do these events all the time. And they're great. Of course. And they're all awesome. but But, But there's always like, you do a tour and there's like, this particular city was just magic. Yes, and I don't yes. know. You know, I don't know why. It was just an energy, yep. or whatever. But this was so special and unique. And so I've spent so much time just while I'm walking in the woods, just trying to figure out what was so rad about that weekend. And one of the things you and I have talked about that I want to unpack a little bit is this: one of the special gifts to the audience is mm-hmm. is that, um, or in that event, was I hide my wife. You hide Winston over time, or really they hide from what yes. we do. And so one of the cool things was they showed up. 
Yes. They came out on stage. Yes. And it was supposed to be like a fun give for the audience. And look at this. You all got to finally meet them. They're real. Mm -hmm. And Sheila's beautiful. And Winston's a smoke show. And like, here's them. Mm-hmm. When I reflect back on it and you reread the, the feedback, that was some of the most powerful. That was one of the most powerful hours of the entire weekend. Yes. Yes. And as you and I have discussed, I think it comes from this place where they could look at you and Winston. You are a co-owner of a multi-hundreds of million dollar company. Your husband is extremely successful, very talented. You all both work really hard and you all have vast resources. And then you look over and there's me and Sheila and the other two chairs. And we have three PhDs and two master's degrees between us. And I think there was a humanity to you and Winston saying no, marriage is real hard. Mm -hmm. We're having to figure this thing out. Where do you think that illusion comes from? So that's a long setup to ask this question. Where do you think this illusion comes from that if we just had this? Everything would be okay. Everything would be okay. And it could be money. It could be all the answers. It could be all the training. It could be all the resource. Where does that come from? I don't know. I do feel like specifically with us, Maybe, and I could be off base on this. Us or you and Winston? Sorry, us. Okay. And our jobs Mm -hmm. is cameras and microphones, TVs, radio. Like, there is a level of a platform there. Mm -hmm. And I do think with anyone, maybe except for, like, Hollywood or something, but you you do look at people on – and I do this for people, too. I, like, look at it. I look at them, whether social media or whatever, and I just think, oh, my gosh, okay, they – they look happy for the most part, right? Like I know they're real people, but like, like my struggle is like thirty percent, forty percent of the time, or whatever. Theirs is they probably have some, but theirs is probably like five percent of the time. And whatever that game is that I play, I associate when I see people that I admire or respect or have helped me personally. I think, oh gosh, they're doing great. I know they're human, so I know there's a percentage of them that struggles, but it can't be the same percentage that I struggle. And I think it's that barrier of, like, putting someone to a degree on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And not that people do that with us all the time. I'm not saying, like, we're on this big pedestal platform. But there has to be something about this difference. Because I don't feel that way with, like, my good friends, Mm -hmm. right? But it's enough of a— Is it because you know them? Yeah, and I guess you just see their humanity more on a daily basis. And I just don't think— we have the opportunity to do that all the time, right? Like, I think about for me, I'm like, I have three, you know, quick episodes a week. I'm on the Rams. Like, like my time in front of people is so limited. And it's curated. And it's curated right? to a degree. This because is I'm as like, good I'm as not, we can look. Yeah, and I, and I try to be human on it. I of try course, not to, like, course. put on a complete fake face. But I'm like, but I'm not going to pull up my phone in the middle of a fight with Winston and be like, I just need you guys to see. Like, I'm like, that's so inappropriate. <laughs> like, I would never, I, that, like, that's so crazy. So there is something to me that I I will put, even me, a percentage on people's struggle and say, but it's, surely it's less than mine. Ooh, I need to put a pin in that. Surely it's less than mine because that will be an important conversation later on. Um mm-hmm. And we talk about comparison. So I don't know if that answers your question. It does. But there's just something about that. I think it's a distance thing. Maybe it's a resource thing. Um, I, th- I, I don't think, know. I, I wonder if it's hard to be in our own skin. And it's just easy to look and go, I feel this way. Surely they don't. Right. And yes. So how do I get from here to there? And the world, if you just scroll Instagram, it's like, well, you have to have money and you have to buy this thing and you right. have to have this thing and you have to have this thing. And you got to go get this information or listen to this podcast, read this book. And it's almost, 
I remember the audience going, and it was almost freeing. Mm -hmm. Or not maybe almost, maybe it was completely freeing to go, oh, they don't have it all figured out either. We're okay. Yes. And that means yes. we can all keep figuring this out. Right, right, right. And I do wonder the dynamic of that on stage. You have both couples sitting there where usually, like the people I'm thinking in my head, it's the it's the person. And I know they're married, but I don't I'm not in a conversation with their spouse or I'm not watching that conversation happen. So I think there's like two pieces of the puzzle of like, oh wow, this is this is it. And I'll give kudos to our spouses. We're very honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're very and so, smart and they're, yeah. And that vulnerability, yeah. though, too, I think, gave that. There wasn't this, like, oh, gosh, we have to image management level of, like— You and I did not marry image managers. No, we were not <laughs> image managers that weekend, which I think is what brought some of the magic, too. Yeah. Because, yeah. like. So what makes marriage so hard? Oh. Like, if you had to distill it down, I have an idea or two, but— and I'm not even I talking about the nerd I mean, literature. Like, what do you think it is? I feel like for when I feel like what I've learned that I didn't realize, and I feel like I've been my eyes have been open more in the last probably 24 months. I think 2019 was a hard year for us, and we started doing some work, and then we kind of like ramped it up even in the last year or two. And I just don't think I realized how much self protection I brought into marriage. Define self protection. Protecting my myself, protecting my ego, my feelings, wanting to feel safe, all of it, without knowing it. That's what that's what's waked me out about understanding myself. Is I'm like, all this is subconscious. It's not your like your body's I went, protecting you. And you don't even know. Yeah, it. I'm like, oh yeah, and 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 then you're, you know, and then I'm sitting down with the, my therapist, and she'll say something, and she's like, yeah, well that that's little Rachel, who is dying for this and this and this, and it's coming out in a 35 year old body, <laughs> and I was like. Really? Is that what that is? You know, I'm like, I didn't even know that's what I was doing. And Winston, same way. And he was, if he was sitting here, he would be very honest with that too. I'm like, there was something, again, not conscious. It was subconscious of like, I just had to protect myself. And that comes out sideways and in different ways. And in our marriage, it was caretaking. It was a level of codependence, all of that, where, again, not knowing that was happening. And then you end up in this like dysfunctional dance. And then you wake up and you're like, wait, this isn't healthy? Because I, I mean, it's kind of working. Like it's, you know, as one therapist said, I heard they're like, it works until it doesn't work. Right, and like alcohol like, and cocaine. They work great. Yeah, it's great. Like, until like, they kill you. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I think part of marriage that is hard is we just bring in so much stuff, you can say from childhood or whatever. And we, we at the core of us are trying, we're trying to protect ourselves always to a degree. So what have you found that you were trying to protect what was your body trying to keep safe? Um, and here's why I ask that question. I don't mean like yeah. deep, dark secrets. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. saying you have identified this other person in yes. marriage. You were my ride or die. Yeah. I'm all in. And that's a co- like a cognitive choice. Yes. I'm choosing you. Yes, yes. Your body goes, oh, no. Right? Mm-hmm. And it kicks up the defense 24-7, 365. And it plays out for a decade that way. Yeah. Right? Until – Somebody at work laughs at your jokes mm-hmm. and suddenly your body goes, oh, we can bring our defenses down because she's safe or he's safe mm-hmm. or this thing happens or that thing happens right, right. or the mailman knocks on the door and he's really attractive. And you're like, oh my the God. Christmas right. guy. Well, well, the Christmas tree guy. Two Christmases ago. <laughs> the Christmas tree guy, right? Whatever. <laughs> oh, it's a smoke show? Literally, I walked in. I was all like disheveled and I was like, 
oh, wow, you're actually a very good-looking Christmas tree <laughs> decorator guy. Are you, yeah, is this like, yeah, hey, no, uh, he was selling, like, I'm, lights. We didn't even go with their company. Sorry, company. But right. anyways. But, like, so I, what, what was your mm-hmm. body protecting you from? Um, I think a level of not wanting to be hurt. So I can live in this. Um, it sounds just like Pollyanna, and it's not that. It didn't feel that shallow. I'm just naturally that the glass is half full. Mm-hmm. Naturally. It'll I'm, work out. I'm always going to like, yeah, and everything's going to be okay. We're going to figure it out. And that mindset that has been drilled in that I've found makes life better. You know, Rachel, 15 at in high school, if you get left out of something, it's okay. It's going to be fine. It's next. It's fine. Don't worry about that next week. Like, like I would always tell myself, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So then when, mar- when hard stuff in marriage happens, something that boils up that I actually needed to be like, what the is going mm-hmm. on? I was like, you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And because I'm like, I don't want to feel that pain. I don't want to feel that hurt. I don't want to feel pain, hurt, loneliness, sad. like all of those. I'm good. It's going to be okay. Because truthfully too, through most of like life, it ha- it has like, I got friendliest at Brentwood High School. Like, I like I was, you know, like, for the most part, it has played out until it starts to not. And you start to see, wow, this thing that brought me through that I thought was actually helping, I think, in the long term, it, it harms you. Because there's parts of me that I think I did shut off to protect to make it be okay. To it's going to be okay. okay. And, be the, okay. and the only way to a deep, powerful marriage— was going through that stuff that's not okay. That's right. And it was intense. We had an intense season. Yeah. And yet it was the healthiest breaking that needed to happen for both of us. And that's the sick thing too, is I'm like, for Winston and I, again, I'm not telling secrets. If he was sitting here, he'd say the same thing. Where we both can lean and like codependent, where some people I think can lean very independent and protect themselves that way. We almost found the safety in each other to an unhealthy degree, which sounds funny in marriage, because in my head too, in marriage— no, it's all okay because mm-hmm. you're married. You have mm-hmm. this label of marriage over you. So all of this is fine right. until you realize, oh my gosh, individually, I am not a healthy person. And Winston said this in Money and Marriage on the panel, but it's true. He was like, you can't, like if you're both C plus people, you can't have an A plus marriage. Like, Ooh, that's a good like line, it doesn't yeah. average out like that. And so I think for us too, the protecting, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And couple that with a level of codependence that like, if you're good, I'm good. Like we're going to, we're good. Like, life is good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Like, you live— And again, it's not like Winston and I were shallow people. We had good conversations. We were connected. We did therapy together. Right? Like, I mean, during some of this. And, like, so when I— That's the other thing that— That's the other thing that kind of shocked my system. I was like, oh, my gosh. A plus B doesn't always equal C. My therapist said that to me. And I was like, it's so true. Like, you can love Jesus. You can Mm -hmm. do all the things here. You can both do self-work and to a degree and all this here— and somebody leaves. And still something happens. Right. Like, and that messed with me, John. It oh, did. because life isn't an algorithm, yes. right? Yes. And I wouldn't have said life's an algorithm if you asked Rachel three um, years ago, is life an algorithm? I'm like, no, stuff happens all the time. Right. But, but again, not to me. But subconsciously, I thought, yeah, but if you're wise, da 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 And not that we're not going to make unwise decisions and sure. expect, right? Sure. There, there is a level of you where you put you so to a degree. But also— Some years it just doesn't rain. Some years it doesn't happen. Some yeah. years you plow the field, plant it perfectly, though? and there's no rain. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's all of that. Yeah. Like, and so it's, me and it's, Sheila it's was detangling all was of that. opposite, where hers, I very much had a, she's going to leave at any minute. 
Mm-hmm. And hers is very much independent. Yes. She, hers was, he's going to leave any minute, but she solved that by independence and lifts. Yeah. And so I, solved that about, I solved it by trying to hang on. And so yes. we had this, like, it was it was amazing. And then we'd go, ah, mm-hmm. and this, when the mm-hmm. Venn diagrams are crossed, right? Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for, thanks for talking about that. I, yeah. I think there's this idea that, yeah, if you just do all the right things, marriage is perfect. Right. And if it's not perfect, then... We need to scour the earth for all the right things. My aim is different now. And it Mm -hmm. is, I'm going to do all these things that I know in this moment to be right. And Mm -hmm. by the way, I've learned in the last five years. And before that, I learned different things. And before that, I had different things. And all of that does is brings me to a baseline that gives me a chance. Not that it guarantees an outcome. And I Mm -hmm. think there's something powerful about that outcome not being guaranteed. Because then i got to keep showing up. And then yeah. I got to keep showing up and that keeps me from getting complacent. It keeps me from just phoning it in. Mm-hmm. It keeps me every day looking at Sheila. Like this morning, I was like, how can I love you today? Yep. And she's like, just hug me right now. And I was looking for this like gesture. And sure. she's like, just let me, just hold me for a minute. Yep. And, and off those lines, because you said that. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so true. Because I think part of the dynamic and the formula of that, of just keep showing up all of it, is showing up and continuing to push into the pain. Because I think for so long, I was like, oh, my gosh, if that's that bad thing there or that that's wrong or that's – yeah, we stay away from that. We, we attach to something else. We go, we go, where I think I'm learning, I'm like, oh, no, it's actually through, through the pain, through the grossness, through the messiness that is actually life. Like, that's where it is. We're so – Everything. Long, we, av- we avoid it, and we think – you know, and in the Christian circles, you could label it sin. You could label it suffering. You can, like, all right? I think every every person has their thing. And for so long, it's like, nope, we avoid, no, no, no. Where you're actually like, what is, what is going on in me that's causing that or wanting that or whatever? And it's actually through that. I got to, like, go through it and not just say, that's wrong. Oh, we're going to turn this way and white knuckle our way to be better. Just hold on and to, to it. run yes. and to go. It's actually like facing it. Yeah. And, you know, and the, beauty of, sense, you know, like, the beauty of marriage is you hold hands with somebody and you go, let's go through this together. Yes. We're headed through it. Like, I think for so long, it's like I could identify the hard and be like, oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's work on that. Let's work on that. But I think it's even, I think it's even like two layers deeper where it's like, no, no, no. We're going to like go through that and, and, and through it. Yeah. I just think I, I think I just had this avoidance of, not just the hard, like, I feel like that even sounds like, oh, it's just like the hard, we can avoid that. It's almost like, oh, no, that's that that thing's not okay, and that's wrong, whatever there. So we're just going to turn our backs and, and, and be good and, and turn that way. Mm. Versus being like, huh, that's kind of messy right there. Let's actually, like, sit in that, talk about it, go through it. So um, I'm going to read a couple of things about you. Okay. That I got off the internet. Oh, Lord. Just kidding. I Is it mean tweets? No, that would Race be super mean fun. mean tweets. You're a multi-time best-selling author. You're an heiress and a co-owner of a $300 million company. I like saying heiress. That sounded fun. You got a very successful show, podcast, YouTube show, whatever. Um, you've got very successful product lines, like things with your name stamped on them, right? And you got three amazing kids. And like my kids play the earth. Like they're great kids yeah, yeah. and an amazing husband. So I've watched you as my friend push back on this lie that as a successful working woman slash mom, you can have it all, do it all, all at the same time. Like there's this mom guilt thing mm-hmm. and there's this mom guilt factory. Yep, yep. And so, so many of my callers 
are in that cycle and they're on different places, right? How do you, and again, going back to, we were talking about it earlier with marriage, like yep. there's just this illusion that like if I just had this, then, right? Right. How do you experience mom guilt? Like when you're mm-hmm. not with your kids, you're mm-hmm. on a shoot somewhere, or you and I are doing a live event in Minnesota. Yeah. Part of your body's like, I should be with them. Yep. And then when I'm with them, part of you is like, I'm intentionally sacrificing my career right now because I could be doing these interviews. I could be in New York. I could be in LA doing this thing. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that? Because it's a tornado, right? Yep. yep. Um, I think I have, and I know not everyone has this, um, you'd say opportunity, ability. So I'm, I recognize that as I say this out loud. I think... The season my kids have been in, I have tried to follow, meaning when they were younger, babies and all that, and I'm sure people are like, no, you need the attachment, all this. There was a level of me that I didn't feel as bad. Like, I was like, I didn't work crazy hours. I pulled back some, but I, like, was with them enough, all of it. And then when they started hitting this, like, preschool to early elementary school days— my mom, like, radar just spiked. And it was when I was pregnant with Charles, and it went out the roof. And I was like, oh, I need to be back. I need to, I, I, I want, I don't need, I really want to be home more. Like, whatever, I don't know if it was stage of life of kids. I'm missing the this, business, Yeah, the, yes, the busyness. I realized, oh, my gosh, I find my desire is shifting. Because my desire was always working mom, and it was great. And, I mean, I went back early from maternity leave with my first, with Amelia. I went back, like, two weeks early. Because I was like, She's great. We got a we got a great girl that was watching her, and I felt great. I was like, I'll go in for a few hours. Like I just was like, it really didn't like shake me to my core. I mean, I was sad at certain points for sure, but um, but when I was pregnant with Charles, I felt this like whoosh. Like I can't do, I can't keep this schedule because at the time this is before COVID and all that. We were traveling. Was it kids or was it work? No, it was more kids. Okay, I felt that. So more. you you were more like I'm going to sacrifice this thing I love and I've worked yes. for 15 Be- years yes. for. To be home more. Okay. Yes, yes, right. I did. I felt that shift. Yeah. Okay. But then what's funny is six months later, after Charles was born, COVID hits. And our work, where most people's work died down, some people lost jobs, ours spiked out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. And every interview I ever wanted was suddenly at my doorstep. And it's like, this show wants you and this show wants you. Can you come in? Come in. So then I found myself two weeks in working more than I had worked even like even before that, the amount of hours that I was spending. And then I did start to feel this like resentment towards work because I'm like, I'm supposed to be home more. Like I deliberately took a season to be home more. And here I am working more than ever. Like this is opposite of what I was expecting. So yes, I did think like if people would just do a budget, I wouldn't (laughs) have to come in and like tell people to be on a budget. You know, like Mm -hmm. I had some of those thoughts, but that died down pretty quick. Um, But I took a season. I mean, really the last, I mean- Three years or so, I have, I haven't, I've, I've kept the show, I've kept things going work-wise, mm-hmm. um, but I've been home more, and it's felt great. I have tried to follow the seasons of my kids, and now Charles is in school three days a week, mm-hmm. so what? I'm here on a Wednesday. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll come in and do stuff. Like, like my, I have opened my schedule more, but I've kind of followed my kids' schedule for that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, yeah. I don't know if all that. Well, and, and I'm just thinking to the, um, and you mentioned this earlier as a caveat, I'm thinking of the mom that can't afford to do that. Yes. Just can't. Yes. Or yes. is like whose husband won't allow it or whatever. I think 
I don't think guilt is the enemy. I think it's something to feel and acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And then we go, like we talked about earlier, I think you go through it. I think you do the yep. best you can with what you have. Yes. And you acknowledge, yeah, in an ideal perfect world, this would be right. the world. Right. And the world's not ideal or perfect. So right. what's the best world we can create with the record that's playing? Yes. Right? Yes. What world can we create there? Yep. Yep. And that may mean that I only get two hours a night with my kids after I get off work and get them picked up. We don't have screens in this house because mm-hmm. those two hours are magic golden time. Yep. And do I collapse every night at 8.15? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the world we got right now. Yes. And yes. you said it best. It's a season because mm-hmm. in a few years, they're all going to be in school or a few years ago, yes. one's going to be in middle school, one's going to be – Yep. It goes so fast. And I think too, um, like I have found with my kids because when I didn't pull back and I was working more with the two girls, I'm like, they're going to be okay. Yes. Kids are so resilient. Do you know what I mean? They're going to be okay. And I heard this thing, John, and it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't know if it's true. So I'd be curious from like a psychological standpoint. And I can't even remember who it was. It was because it made me feel bad as a mom working Mm -hmm. when I heard this. The mom guilt ecosystem, yeah. And it was like, when you feel guilt leaving your kids, it's your body telling you you're supposed to be with them. You're supposed to be with them. So be with them. Like it was this whole like, it was kind of a moms don't Mm -hmm. work message. And I was like... I don't like it. I don't like it. But then I'm like, oh my God, what if that's true? Mm. What if that's true? Like, what do you, is that true? Or is it that we're guilt because of society? Like, well, I think, I I think there's a difference between supposed, supposed to, yeah, in this ideal world. Um, I tell people who have to bury their kids, it's not supposed to be this way. Mm. Your kids are supposed to bury you. That's the way this is supposed to work. Mm. You're not supposed to. And yet here we are, right? This is the world that we got dropped into. And yes. so I actually think they're right, but you shouldn't weaponize that. That's good. Yeah, so yeah, So I think, yeah. yeah, whenever I leave, like after I've been on the road for a season and then somebody calls and says, hey, I drew elk tags. Let's go elk hunting. And I'm like, sweet. I get on a plane and my body's like, you've been on the road. You should be at home. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. Like that, that feeling is correct. Yes. And... I'm going to choose to show my kids that dad goes and provides. Dad goes and has fun with his fr- – dad's got a gang, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, So I'm going to pick this one. That's good. It's supposed one. to, but I'm a single mom and I have to work too. I have like, to work. Like what do you do? Yes. yes. So yeah, in an ideal good. world, this would be the way this is. Yes, yes. And I would say the gift you give to people is um, – and this is something I've taken infinitely more seriously than before I started here. Mm-hmm. And you give moms a picture – of a different way it could look like. Mm-hmm. Because so many, and, and I do too, I, I hear so often, okay, my dad didn't show up. My mom was all over the place. I want it to be different, but it's like trying to explain what basketball is. And then they walk out on a court. They've never seen a game played. They've never seen a ball dribbled. Yep. And then you expect them to just go play. Yep. That's hard. Yep. You got two little kids and school and work. I think the influencer thing can sometimes get a bad rap. I think mm-hmm. it's a problem. Mm-hmm. No, but I think it get a bad rap if it's used to, I'm going to show you a picture of, in your head, you probably think, Rachel Cruz is out in Paris right now. This is me with my kids on a Saturday with sidewalk chalk. This yeah. is what this looks like. Yep. Yep. And you give moms permission to go, oh, God, I thought I was failing them by mm. throwing pine cones at each other. And it's like, right, no, right, it's right. Per- this is what it is. Totally, right? This is what totally. it is. Yes, yes. And so, um, anyway... I I, I just I love the conversation. It is so hard it's though, hard. and I feel it for moms. And and again, that's one that's one of the and I use this example a lot, even in my show with my content with Money Wise, because I do talk to moms that are like, oh my gosh, I, um, you know, I want to be free from 
all this financial like obligation with debt that we have because if I did, I would probably choose something different. Right. And so like that's that's an example we use a lot with moms and families is like, you know, especially a um a nuclear family. It's like, yeah, that that is a that could be a motivation to get out of debt. And then you talk to some moms that are like, oh yeah, regardless of my options, I still choose this work mm-hmm. because I love it. Mm-hmm. And right. And that would be me. Like, I mean, I'm like, I genuinely enjoy my job and I love it. And it gives me an outlet. It gives me something else. And so that's healthy too, right? So I'm like, you can hold both. Well, it's, it, I think it's of my mom. It's such a personal thing. Who was a stay-at-home mom. And I got s- such a gift from that. Yeah. Or she worked part-time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, part of my life was the mom who went back to college and became this guru at Deloitte and Touche and then became this professor that travels the world. And yep. that was a huge benefit. Right, right. And so yep. it's both hands. Yes, right? that's right. That's right. Hand. That's right. Yeah. Um, but it's hard. It's, it's hard. hard for anyone. I know. And so maybe the meta lesson here is if it's hard and you feel like something's wonky, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like it's not trying to solve for this is hard. Right. It's trying to solve for, okay, this is hard. What are we going to do with that? Yes. Right? Yes, How are we going right. to navigate this? That's but right. It not being hard isn't an option. Yep. That's right. That's right. It's good. This show is brought to you by Hallow. Almost every day, whether I'm doing my red light therapy, driving to work, listening to the Gregorian chants on the airplane, or just sitting on my front porch, I spend time using Hallow, my go-to app for guided prayer, music, and meditation. And right now, I'm going through a particularly stressful time. I got big deadlines, big speeches coming up in front of thousands of people, end of school and other family transitions, and on and on. And recently, I made a decision amidst all the chaos to dive even deeper into my faith and spiritual practices, and Hallow is leading the way. Hallow is the number one prayer and meditation app in the world. They have 10,000-plus audio-guided prayers and meditations, including daily prayers, daily gospel reflections, daily psalm readings, daily writings, minute meditations, and more. And there are places for people in Hallow who are skeptical and new to this whole faith conversation, and there's places for those who have been swimming in these waters their entire life and who just want to go deeper. And... There are stories, audiobooks, and other special things for kids and focuses on mental and emotional health. For listeners of the Dr. John Deloney Show, Hallow will give you three free months. That's all 10,000 plus prayers, meditations, music, lecture series, all of it. Three free months. If you go to hallow.com slash Deloney. That's hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W dot com slash Deloney. I want to talk about something you talk about a lot. Okay. And I want to come up with a new framework. And this is going to get kind of nerdy, and that's okay. It's good. Cool? It's okay? Yes. All right. I want to talk about comparison. Okay. And here's where I want to kind of unpack it. And so I'm going to talk too much. Mm -hmm. But you're the comparison guru. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to, like, dig into the nerd stuff of comparison. Yes. And here's where I've come up with. And so I want – by the time we get done going back and forth, I Mm -hmm. want to land on a new framework about comparison. Okay. Okay? So we have Teddy Roosevelt, Mark Twain, Dr. Cummings, whoever you say it. Comparison's the thief of joy. It's the death of joy, all that. So I've written this down. So if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm reading some of this. I just want to make sure I get this right. There's a lot of scientific literature, tons, about how comparison, social comparison is the nerd word, Mm -hmm. is actually wired into us. Comparison is a feature of being an animal. Not a problem, not a bug. Mm -hmm. We have such an innate need for connection that we're designed to always be looking for where we stand, rank, and compare. Always be doing this all the time because if our tribe leaves us, we're dead, right? So wired into us is this idea of 
am I over here? Am I over here? Where do I stand? I'm short. I'm tall. I'm big. I'm strong. What's my role? What am I supposed to be doing? So I started to ask myself if comparison is part of us, wired into us as a feature, not a bug in the system. I also look around and comparison is a thief of joy. It destroys us, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm trying to navigate both of them. It's yeah. an, an innate part of us. Yeah. And in this current world we live in, it kills us. It destroys yeah. our marriages. It destroys everything, yeah. right? Yeah, uh-huh. And so you've talked to moms for years. You've talked to men and women for years. You've been having this conversation about comparison, comparison, comparison. If I tell you, if I lay both of those down, that it's a part of us. It's it's how we're wired. It's how yeah. we're built yeah. and designed. And yet it kills us. How does that hit you? Does that hit you as right? Or does yeah. that hit you as where, because it, I think the where com- do we get off? Because I think comparison is the vehicle. I think it's the thing that we it's – the, it's the car we jump in to ride. But when we start to turn on the jealousy routes ah. and the envy routes. I wrote envy down. What, yeah. Oh, you did? That's okay. what I wrote down. So that's, yeah. what, that's, that's the actual thing that I think destroys us. I think comparison is the thing we get in that leads us there. But like – yeah, comparing, you know, um, two, you know, my sweater and her sweater. It's like, oh, mine's cable knit. Hers is, okay, cat. okay, yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. That's great. I, I made a comparison, a literal comparison. But then suddenly when I want what she has and I don't have it, so now I want to get it, that's envy and jealousy. And that's the world that I think takes over. That, that is, that is pro- bad. Okay. That's the problem, I think. So comparison in and of itself may not be... The demon, it's envy. I think so, because you can't have envy without comparison, right? I think a, start, a starting line is comparison. comparison. Right, right, yeah. right, yeah. I don't think you just jump to, um, oh, I want that. There's a level of like, oh, my gosh. Well, especially when it's a person, right, because you're comparing with another right, person, right. another human being. They have something, and I want it, whether it's the marriage, the lifestyle, the jo- whatever. Like, and, and again, I think there can be a, oh, I want that. And I'm still good with myself and content. And maybe that's something I strive for. Oh, that's right. a fun job. Yeah. I would love to do that one day. Right? Like there's like, mm-hmm. that's not that's not jealousy. All right. The last one is, and you wrote an amazing book about it. Let me grab it. An amazing book. Sweet little book. Look at that. Sweet book. So my wife is a children's literature aficionado, right? And her, I, I don't fully understand how smart she is, but I know that she taught teachers how to teach kids how to read. She's like a literacy person. And she's a huge proponent of children's literature mm. and how pictures are reading and yes. turning the pages is actually technology. And it's it's a it's a path for kids neural connections to begin mm-hmm. to to develop, right? So you can read a book like this and you can read a book like this when you're a, a young one, right? Yeah. Yep. And there's some really clear scientific literature that says you want to set your kids apart over an arc of their life, read. read to them when they're young. So when you said, hey, I'm putting out children's book, I was super excited about it. And then, of course, this is just so magical and beautiful. A lot of this, it's called I'm Glad for What I Have. But you talk about what I think is the antidote for envy, the antidote for all of this is gratitude. Yep. Being grateful for what you got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And not not being ambitious, not having dreams for the future, but being able to stay yes. right now. And contentment. I'm so blessed. Contentment. Yes. So tell, talk there's to me like about a, contentment. There's like a sense of just peace. That we're okay. Like, we can have nice stuff. We don't have to have nice stuff. Like, regardless of what's going on around us, there's just this level of where we are settled, we're going to find happiness and joy in that. It's kind of what we were talking about earlier, but that's, I mean, for me, that's what it is. It's a choice. Yeah, and the stuff may come and go, but regardless of that, is beyond. it's beyond that. 
is how are you feeling? What's your state of your heart? Like, where are you at? So, would you agree so, that that's something you practice? Yes. Oh, I think so. It's like a skill. And gratitude, I think, is part of that, right? Mm-hmm. I think being grateful for what you have leads into that contentment. Um, but it's a choice. I'm like, but there's a level of like, I have to, I have to choose this. And sometimes it comes easier than others. And I feel like that's the fun part when it does become like, oh no, okay, we're good. Like they're they're over here doing this X, Y, and Z, or the new suburban pulls in, but I got my minivan. I'm good. I'm good. But you, you can know? go over there and be like, this car is amazing. Yeah, be excited for people. Oh, sure. And that doesn't mean yes. you hate your car. No. And you no. can go home and be like, I want to have that suburban one day. Cool. Let's put the work in. Let's figure out what that would look sure, like, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Our marriage isn't going to change if we have that suburban, just That's so we right. know. Right. 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 Um, it's good. But yeah, so the Tell kids' book, this. I was excited about it because I have, yep, yeah, four, six, and eight year old at home. And yeah, like bedtime stories, it's a thing. And I always love the books that have like a, a message at the end that I'm like, as a parent, I'm like, oh, that was so good to hear. So I wanted that. I wanted it to be short. I wanted it to rhyme. I wanted it to have animals. So I had this like whole dream and contentment. Yeah, is um, for me a huge message for my kids because I'm a natural spender. I'm the one that can be the like, oh my gosh, I'm going to accumulate because it's fun and I love it. Um, and my kids started to be like, where's the Amazon guy? Like, you know, like they started asking questions. I was like, oh no, oh no, I've turned them into me. <sighs> so I wanted a book just to walk them through the story of like, hey, you want new toys, you want all of this stuff. And it's not right or wrong, right? There's not like a moral compass to this stuff. But at the end of the day, can we understand that the stuff is not the thing that's going to fulfill us? And so that was, yeah, that was the message I wanted to to put in. And um, yeah, and there's a spiritual element at the end of God. And we've talked about this, but having a higher power, choosing to look beyond yourself and attaching yourself to something else besides just you is really healthy. So for me, it's God and it's in the book. But for other people, maybe something else, which is fine. But that's another big thing that I'm like, when we become our own gods, Mm -hmm. like that's when life gets messy. I I think you've talked about this a lot, which I think is so, I think it was you. When I was hearing it, I was like, that is so right. That's it. Like that's, that's so right. I like to think of it like when the more I stare at my own belly button, I can only go in a spiral. I can yep. only go in a, in yep. a quick spinning spiral. Yep. It's when I pick my head up. Yep. And beyond that, picking my head up, I also, I mean, my, my hands are coming up right now if you're, mm-hmm. if you're not watching this. But it's this sense of I don't control anything. Yeah. I don't control yep. anything. Yeah. And I'm going to be grateful for where I got put. And because I happen to live in this little sliver of history, I have an opportunity to maybe earn some more money or maybe right. um, I can do some neat things professionally or whatever. But I'm going to be grateful for what I got. Yeah. And yep. yes, comparison's wired to me. I'm going to look to my right and my left and make sure I'm treating my wife right, make sure I'm mm-hmm. my kids are healthy mm-hmm. and somewhat developmentally appropriate. But I'm also not going to just walk around envious of, I wish I had that. I can't believe they have that. I, they don't deserve that. Yes. I'm not going to live like that. Yeah. I'm going to choose to open my hands up and look up and say, thank you. Yep. And right. please give me a, uh, give me some rain tomorrow. Yes. Right. Yep. Yep. And it just, Good. my whole body just, even just saying mm-hmm. that a lot, my body just goes, ah, right. It's like restful. Yes. Yeah. There's like it's peace. peace. In that. It's peace yeah, yeah. Totally. Cool. Well, thanks for coming to hang out. I know. You're thanks awesome. for having me on. Appreciate it. And for those of you all watching this conversation, we just have all the time. It's just, y'all get to hear it. So cool. I know. So appreciate fun. you. You're awesome. Cheers. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make 
to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we are back. Thanks for hanging out and listening to my conversation with Miss Rachel Cruz. All of her books and show info and everything will be in the comments section. I mean, it will be where it will be down below in the whatevers. Yeah, it'll be below in the thing. Linked in a place at the thing where we can get all of her stuff and whatnots. And Jenna, I should have pointed out that you cheat on me with her show too. Uh, You know, actually, I was with her first. Oh, so I'm yeah, the, so I'm the, you're other, the guy? other woman. Yep. I'm the other woman. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Kelly. So we're going to wrap up today's show with uh, Am I the Problem? Let's do this. All right. And first of all, before we start, people, we need your Am I the Problem emails. So please send those um, to ask at johndeloney.com. Is that right? Uh, johndeloney.com slash ask. ask. A-S-K. Yeah. There you go. Not to the email address. Go there. Put am I the problem like in the first line. <laughs> you guys can see what a great producer I'm working with. She doesn't even know where we are. They know what I have to deal with. Here we go. They know. All right. Um, so send you. in your emails, please. Keep them short, but we need some more. All right. This is from Lynn in Mission, Texas. Am I the problem? My husband procrastinates when doing yard work, cleaning up after himself, repairing things, or cleaning areas of the house, his workbench in the garage, etc. That he says are are his responsibility. I don't like to nag, so instead of asking him repeatedly, sometimes I just go and do it myself, especially when the backyard gets very overgrown, like two feet or more. But then when he comes home and sees that I did it, he gets really mad. I feel like he wants to do it on his time or in his terms, or he's not happy. Am I the problem? No, he is the problem. You are seeing a need, and you are then waiting longer because your husband has a fantasy that he's fulfilling in his mind, and that's he's the guy that takes care of the house. He is not. He's the guy that talks about taking care of the house and then never does it. And so you have to wade through a two-foot-tall Texas backyard. I've had to do that. It's the worst You are not the problem. You are solving the problem that your husband is creating. If he gets mad, it's because you've exposed his his fantasy land. So, no. Keep it up. Keep doing what you got to do because nobody else is doing it. Somebody's talking about it a lot, but they're not doing anything. You are not the problem. What do you think, Kelly? Yeah, 100%. My husband, he'll do that. I mean, it's always like... It's never intentional. It's always like, I'm going to do that thing, and then things just happen. And then I'll go by and do it, and... He, but he never handles it poorly. He's always like, man, I know that took me forever. I'm so glad you took care of it. Sorry about that. You know, or, you know, like in our case, what we did was he didn't have time. The lawn, we were having a problem. So we hired somebody yeah. because it was worth the bit of money to have the sanity back and not, and to take the problem out of the marriage. That's right. And so he could devote time to, hey, I'd really rather be doing these other house projects or whatever. Great. So we'll hire somebody. So I think the problem here is, is, that your husband is expressed is is using his shame as a weapon on you. He's embarrassed. He wants to be the guy that does the yard. He doesn't have the courage to say, "Hey, I need to I need to offload this. We need to hire somebody." Or y'all are in a financial position where you can't afford to hire somebody. Cool. Um, now, if he's working three or four jobs and he's just just crushing it, and but he also wants to be the guy that does this too. Cool. Y'all need to have like a come to Jesus conversation, a truth telling conversation. You are doing so much for our family that I'm going to take this from you. The problem is 
he's not having that honest conversation for whatever reason. So, yes, you're doing a great job. You're not the problem. He needs to get with the program. Good? Yep, 100% agree. All right. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us. Come back and see us next time on the Dr. John Deloney Show. Don't do drugs. Bye.